what's really good what's going on a little bit late but always on time y'all know what it is it's the chop up show it's your girl toya g it feels so good to be back i don't know if y'all can tell in my voice but your girl is tired i've been all over the place i was in dc came back uh to california been hitting the ground running trying to just finish out this week so i've been pushing and pulling this first week of uh april but it still feels good to be here with y'all. I am also here with the political plug. You already know how it goes now. He held it down last week in my absence. And you're um, welcome. About he who shall not be named, but has been named 34 times in a court, Manhattan, <laughs> <laughs> Manhattan in relationship to criminal charges. So we're watching that unfold. But if you want to get the breakdown on why, uh, I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, Trump and his criminal charges and the investigations being brought up by the Manhattan this, uh, District Attorney's Office is and all relevant or important, go back and check out that episode. It just happened last week, last Thursday. And, you know, we here every Thursday night uh, talking about what we talked about. Shout out to Miss Ma'am in the comments. So happy to see y'all back. You know the rules. You know how we get down. If you come in here, don't be rude. You need to speak. You need to say what's up. Let us know you in the building, uh, mostly because we're just so grateful to have you. In terms of this week, uh, we want to talk about a couple of things, right? So 2024 is an eye shot. It's an ear shot. And we want to really break Election that. season. Exactly, because we've only been hearing a lot about election season in regards to the Republicans. Shout out to Danielle in the chat. What's going on? Good evening. Um, and so we want to kind of talk about one of the most obvious potential VP. I'm mean, sorry, presidential candidate candidates and current vice president. Yeah. Current which, VP. Yeah, exactly. Kamala Harris. Shout out to uh, Top P got beats. Um, but we want to talk about Kamala Harris and just really get a vibe check because there's a lot of interesting criticisms being thrown her way these days. And then secondly, breaking news, Clarence Thomas is on the chopping block, right? We potentially yeah. could be seeing a lot of interesting things. We gotta get in his ass. We gotta get in his ass real quick. Yeah, we might be seeing a lot of interesting things coming down the pipeline for uh Clarence Thomas in the coming weeks and months to come because he's about mm. to be under investigation. He has been apparently, and they didn't like what they found. So let's go ahead and get started. We'll, we'll, we'll call, I, I think all of today is a political chop in one oh, way or another. Um, mm-hmm. But we want to go ahead and get started with Kamala Harris and really break down kind of how we should understand her vice presidency up to right now. Tell you, can we re- can we be real about what we actually talked about when it comes to Kamala really Harris? From your, I thought I was being real. I didn't know I was being fake. So tell me, let's be real. Well, about Because nah. I wouldn't say you was being fake, but I do think I do think you're being kind. You know what I'm saying? Uh, niggas treat Kamala Harris like shit. Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah, you know I mean, like she does it like for her to be, uh, you know, in the eyes of you know a lot of mainstream media, uh, a lot of mainstream thinkers, in their eyes, she it's like it's it's the first black vice president, right? The first woman so, vice president, or the first woman, the first woman, first black. You know what I'm saying? Like she, you know, she she a couple first. Um, it, but like with with people, it's a lot of it's it's more. Eh, we don't like we don't like it. It's a, it. Every time her name get brought up, it's a, it's like in joke fashion. You feel me? Like I mean, even the Joe, we did it, Joe. Like you know absolutely. what I'm saying? Like even even her moment of celebration with smoke. So we we need to figure out is it deserved? Well, I mean, so I, I guess because I want to be real. Like you know, the silk press jokes are out. Her and and the uh, Queen Latifah I saw on Twitter were having a silk press out, press, silk press down. Um, and people were trying to figure out and argue who has the absolute best because they they have not been seen not one time with a strand out of place. Now a lot of people gave the crown to the Queen, right, and said Queen Latifah has the best, most legendary, most ep- epic silk press that there is uh, on these streets. But that is a lot of what people talk about in terms of Kamala Harris. They also you know, used to make the jokes when she was first in office that we will only ever see her in videos walking aggressively in one way, in one direction or another, walking through the White House, walking to a po- like she was always in that walking power in. suit. Yes, and then lastly, <laughs> and one of the more problematic when I look at it in hindsight, observations that a lot of people made was about um, her always laughing, right? Always kind of she just has a laugh or she has a nervous laugh. She laughs all the time before she speaks or while she's speaking. And a lot of people would elude that laughter to drug use or to her being hot. And that's where I think it's kind of messed up, right? That would hear the that. The nerve. You know what I'm saying? And so I guess 
And I, I also Donald Trump that. snorting ass. Like y'all don't see how much Donald Trump be snorting when he talking. Y'all Honestly, talking about and I mean, and tell me if I'm Come tripping on, in the bro. chat if y'all have heard some of these same kind of criticisms either about the Silk Press or the constant walking or the constant laughing and that association with drug use. But these are common little like quips that I would hear people make about her in a variety of places. And mm-hmm. I need to be honest because I think if we were to pull back some of the tape on us, and I'm talking me, you, and Lee. I think we might have even been talking a little jazzy about good sis way earlier in the process. <laughs> and I think he might have been a little baseless. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I need to go back and listen. I ain't going to say baseless because we don't typically get nah, Yeah, we don't know baseless niggas. No, because I, I think because with her becoming vice president, the things that you pointing out, it has become a lot more superficial. But mm-hmm. we we actually not not only you know did we have a conversation about her. We actually we had a whole debate. I think me was it me and Lee or, or was it me and uh? It might have been you and Lee. or uh me and me and Marquise. But it, we we definitely had a debate on the platform about about yeah. Kamala, and it and it and it had to do with her her record uh as uh as the top cop in California. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, that's another thing that a lot of other that people who were critical of her during the the act during her run. At, in the uh, presidential campaign, had really had to do with yo. You was locking up kids over truancy. Right. I mean, like you did. You did a lot to maintain to create and develop relationships with the systems and institutions and the people who had to suffer under right. you building your political credibility was black people. But I mean, I'm saying, and then that was valid because of the time. Context is important. We were looking at somebody who was about to take over the reins of power in a very prolific way and we needed to understand right. the way her policing background would influence her ability to preside over right. the American people right uh even right. in a vice presidential position so that was relevant i don't think now those criticisms mean quite as much like you can still make a people's track record in their background is their track record in their background but for right now i i guess i have to ask that the, to me the obvious question after we look mm-hmm. at our behaviors the behaviors of the public the criticism she had about she's she's been getting about doing not doing too much. Is this a classic case of misogynoir? Like, you know what I'm saying? We got this black woman in a position that has never been occupied by anyone black or anybody who's a woman. Intersectionality matters. We know that white supremacy and patriarchy intersect as matrices of power to then create even more unique barriers to her than she would have had than even Mike Pence had. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a, the uniqueness. Is that it's hard enough to be vice president, and then you got right. these two matrices of power working together against your interest as a black woman, white supremacy, heteropatriarchy. Um, what do is this a classic case of us constantly bagging on the black woman instead of really kind of giving her a chance or opportunity, or has she really just only been laughing and having silk presses and, and walking and shit? Like, what what's the vibe? What do you think? And and right, and when we're talking in terms of specifically in terms of her being vice president, right? Exactly. All right, so I I think um I think a part of it has been that the the ambiguity of the the black question in and of itself. You feel me? I I don't think uh, I don't think a lot of people have gotten past that. So even even as people try to give her the credit the credit what do you mean? What, first, what do you mean in terms of the ambiguity of the black question? Uh so her father's Jamaican, right? Her father's Jamaican and her mother is uh Indian. Um and Currently, she's and and again, I'm 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 only speaking to like certain optics that play out in black communities, right? But she's married to a white man, right? Optics wise, now we just not talking about the politics of interracial relationships, but optics wise, like we heard a lot of the criticism, like if if Michelle Obama was a white woman, Barack Obama wouldn't be Barack Obama. You see what I'm saying? Uh huh. And so people people kind of look at okay you are like she's already you know biracial and she's married to a white man when we trying to when, all this blackness we trying to put on her if if we look at like the way her social life is currently set up and then you look at her politics as if like in in terms of her time as being the top cop in uh in in California mm-hmm. then like that whole her being the first black VP ain't a benefit to one to one to black people because she don't fully reflect it right and whether it's her asian heritage and her relationship and you know all those other things uh as well as you know how people in california felt about that past that still ain't been reconciled with like we 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 no longer it's it's no longer being highlighted as much because joe biden won so we're not hearing about the crime bill as much 
and mm-hmm. she's his vice president. So we're not hearing about what happened with uh with her in Cal and as the attorney uh, in California as much, but those things still those things weren't resolved. Mm-hmm. Right. This is kind of like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are a are the rebound. They're like, okay, we just got out of we just got out of a very toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. It was bad. It was abusive. Mentally, I've been doing you know your saying? framing of the Trump presidency as a toxic relationship. <laughs> you used that phrase a couple of times. It's just interesting how you come to terms with that. Well, because I think it best it, it best helps us understand how we end up with a Joe Biden in the first place. Like Joe Biden is it is it like the most effective? He's not the most progressive, right? Mm-hmm. But but what he is is he's not Donald Trump. People, Donald Trump was so bad that the people that was like, we need to change the system, we need to do things differently, like on on, on that was closer to the left side. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, nah, we need to go back to normal. We need to go back yeah. to normal, right? <laughs> like, let, let's at least get back to kind of like where we was a few years ago. Yeah, you know I mean, and so like what a you know, you get out of that toxic relationship, the first person to treat you nice, oh like this nigga ain't cussing <laughs> me out, right? This nigga ain't calling me out my name. You're That's wrong. all right, cool. You could yeah, uh, yeah, you could be my you, I could be with you. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. don't cuss me out. I, I can be with you. We can sit out and chill without you flipping out. Like this, this can be something. And then after a while, you realize, like, okay, this was this was something to it was a bridge. I settled. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Right. And, and, and it was it was a bridge to get over what we was dealing with in the past. Like, you know what I'm saying? In that thing prior. Right. So right now, what we what when we look at Kamala, it's still we like we still got some baggage, right? All those all those other things yeah. that we had problems with, we still those things are still there. And now that we're no longer just happy that we got away from our ex. Now those things are still they're, still, they're glaring more than they have in the past. Understood. Understood. So, I mean, you know, I guess it's not then maybe not a, a clean cut case of misogynoir or like, you know, beating up on the black woman. Because I think first and foremost, and I'll get to why too later, we got to give her full credibility and credence for being a black woman. Right. I think being skeptical about that, we've had prior conversations about biracial relationships or I'm sorry, um, interracial relationships. and you know, the ability for black women to determine the their partners and, you know, the importance of us looking at just people in general, being able to like love who they want to love. It is complicated and sticky, but I don't think, and we kind of agree that it doesn't crowd out or overshadow your politics, or at least the ability to look at what your literal politics are and not based it off of who you fell in love with. So not going to get on her head too hard about uh, marrying this Irish man. Uh, in terms of her parents and their backgrounds, you know, Jamaica was a boat stop you know, on many boat stops. Uh, so to kind of separate his blackness out or make it, put an asterisk by it is an mm-hmm. interesting decision to make just because he doesn't have the traditional American black experience. And then for his her Indian mama, I mean, yeah, but we understand how colorism and caste systems and exclusion work in how Indian culture yeah. too. So no, those are not necessarily black issues, but they are cousins uh, of an anti-black system and structure in this world that denies you phenotypically based on how your skin color is set up. It's light-skinned Indians, too. And her mom is not one of those light-skinned Indians, right? So right. Um, I think it was we converge her South Asian and Black identities, right? I think she occupies African-Americanness in the sense that she was not born in any of those countries. She was born in this one. Um, right. And so there's, there's a lot of levels and layers to it. But I think uniquely as a Black woman, she's just in an interesting role. Miss Ma'am says, pretty sure I heard y'all break down that the vice president mainly moves in the background. I stopped listening to slander after that. If we don't see what her role really is, all that noise is just noise. And I agree um, a lot, which is why I want to revisit and make sure we specifically know what the vice president's job is. Because a lot of people are like, she ain't doing nothing. She ain't doing nothing. But I bet your bottom dollar, some of those same people saying those things cannot clearly and concisely articulate to you what the vice president is supposed to do. Right? So to be clear- Most of can't tell you what the president is supposed to do. Exactly. Right? (laughs) But I want to be clear- uh, about what the vice president is supposed to do just so that you already have a functional filter for when you see what she's doing or not doing, you know what's in bounds versus what's out of bounds, right? So the, rest, the vice president most simply has three primary roles. Their first mm-hmm. job is to be, what's good, Vance? Welcome in. Uh, the vice president's first job is to be first in the line of succession. We know if anything happens to the president, if the president is to experience something uh, that 
incapacitates them and renders them unable to fulfill their job responsibility as president, the vice president jumps in. So I like to think your job might just be to sit and be comfortable and be safe a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because you are the next person who has to jump in and be Johnny on the spot and fill in some gaps. So, um, or Johnetta on the spot in this instance. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Joanne on the spot to fill in the gap in the void, but that's not all. The second responsibility is to be the tie-breaking vote in Senate, right? We know that the Senate uh, has to win a clear majority. There are times where we experience gridlock, and that gridlock is not solely because of opposition, but rather because the votes are too close. And so the vice president ends up having to make uh, some important decisions in that regard. And we're going to talk about Kamala's track record in that role specifically because she's done something unique in terms of her role in Senate being that tie-breaking vote. Okay, so the third role that vice presidents have that's important to keep in mind is that they are presidential advisors. Right. They are exactly in the air. And I don't think it necessarily takes a president to get up and make a address or give a state of the union and be like me and Kamala was talking in. No, they the president. They supposed to sound like they came up with shit by themselves. They supposed to sound like they made some concise decisions. But we all know if you watch. I mean, and I, I understand these are fiction, but any type of show that you know, gets into the role of the president or looks at the, like, they got people all up in their ear. They sit in the room in the, in the Oval Office with six people around them telling them how to piece together, how to talk about it right, how to negotiate, how to make certain decisions. And what's interesting about that is Joe Biden was able to get away with just being uh, Barack Obama, like, angry white homeboy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Cut the, the malarkey. The, the, yeah, right. Like Joe Biden was the was the one that was just when Obama was when he was being respectful and yeah. and he was trying to appeal to the other side. Yeah, Biden was the one like, nah, hey, y'all, hey, let's, <laughs> let's stop the bullshit. Let's stop. Yeah. The, I mean, all the memes that came out about that. So it's like if, if you look at that advisor role, right? Like for whatever we think, oh, like uh, she's supposed to be doing. We that what that assumption was not made with Joe Biden because he was right. just he was just the old white pit bull. That that Obama <laughs> had to be like, hold on, hold on, get back, yeah. get back. Uh, J Universe is funny too. He said it, it was the hu- it's the husband for me. I told you. He looked like his grandparents were slave. He looked like his grandparents were slave owners. Probably was, but yeah. again, he's Irish, so maybe not. Right? Uh, it depends on how you look at the impoverished. That in particular group of people, because I mean, some people, poor people, probably had slaves. It's the difference between being poor and being a slave. So maybe. Right. Um. The world may never know. I don't know. I don't want to know. I just, just yeah. I don't want to be complicated by the, these relationships, these entanglements any longer. But right. um, okay, so outside of being a presidential advisor, advisor, uh, they are representatives of <laughs> Danielle, exactly. Uh, Mr. Plug here is tripping with these impersonations. But these there are there are the vice president is also a representative of the president, right? So goes on behalf of, speaks on behalf of, acts on behalf of uh in a world where the president can't be present. And so, you know, I think we ought to be clear about what vice presidents are supposed to do when we determine whether somebody's doing a job. They're not gonna be the first person behind the mic because they've advised the first person behind the mic, or they have mm-hmm. gone out to represent the first person who's supposed to be on the mic. So no, they don't get as much airtime um and attention on the things that they do because we're looking to a president. Right. We live in a society where we are looking for one central person in that executive role to go and be an executor. So we're not really as interested in the 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 secondary, the the ancillary pieces, auxiliary pieces. Yeah, exactly. Right. Those are not nearly when we are comprehending whether or not somebody's doing a good or bad job, particularly as a presidential party, the moving pieces that make that engine run. So we know what a vice president does. I guess my question then becomes like, what do we want from advice? Do we want more than that? Is are we looking for more from either a vice president or from this vice president? Right. We know that Kamala was voted in as vice president, understanding a couple things. She attempted to run for the presidency and was unsuccessful. And two, we know that the Democrats were uh, needing uh, somebody to pivot and swing that vote toward them. And they needed a running mate for Joe Biden that represented diversity, represented change, represented the shifting tides of liberalism that the party wanted to represent. And so they found this black woman who was appetizing to at least enough people 
to to get some folks on board who were skeptical about Joe Biden and the crime bill and his relationship to black people and this, this, and that. So I'll re-ask my question, Plug. What do we want from a vice president? If not, what do we want from this vice president understanding how and why she got into the role she's in right now? So uh, even though I complain, I've complained about this from time to time um, when it comes to how black people engage in politics, I'm going to be real. We have an impossible demand on black politicians. Correct. I push back against that impossible demand because our demand ain't unique to Kamala. It's not, it's, it's not unique to the vice presidency because it's the same demand that we placed on Barack Obama. Okay. And that was to be a black politician. True. The reason why it's an impossible demand is because you politicians have to be the leaders and politicians for entire communities. That includes white people. We know that what the demands and what's important to, to black communities and then the demands and what's important to uh, what's important to white communities what, what's important to white communities is going to get is going to get preferential treatment mm-hmm. right so this impossible demand is frustrating because again it's impossible but it's necessary it's necessary like right. we can't become okay with uh, with being like we, we can't be okay with Obamas. Like I'm okay with the fact that to like nowadays it's a lot of it's a lot of people like especially millennials our age that will shit on Obama's legacy. Yeah, and calling the question Obama's legacy because that's what exactly what Obama need, right? So because when we when we're when we're thinking about who we want to be the next person in that position, we don't want another Obama. Obama was cool. Obama was what Obama was. He was the first. We don't want another one though, right? right. He was the first. He was the first. We don't you want another you Obama. You can't take that away from him. He was the first. Good, bad, right, wrong, and different. He was the first. Right. Can't take yeah. it away from him. We don't want another one, though. <laughs> we don't need another one, though. You, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so, and so as much as we want our politicians to reflect the blackness that, that makes us feel comfortable, that makes us assume that the thing that they care about is also something that we care about, or that that you know, you look like me, and that means something when you out there doing decision making. Mm-hmm. Problem is, problem is, that is not a productive overall uh, uh, election strategy. Kamala Harris, as much as we want her to go out there and be Angela Davis, she can't. She can't. <laughs> I, think said, I, I think I've said this before too. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but, uh, she's in that position because she's not Angela Davis. Right. right, Jackie Robinson was in it was was the first, not because he was the best, but because he was the most suited. He was suitable, right? Satchel Page and then Satchel Page is a bad man. Yeah. Shout out to Kansas City Monarchs, fastest yeah. base, fastest baseball baseball player in the history of the game, right? Could could uh, steal a base before a penny drop. Mm. He was a nigga though. <laughs> so, <laughs> Satchel Page was a nigga. You can't you can't you can't take him to the Dodgers. Hey you man, you me? know, shout out to Kansas City for having a school named after him. Shout you, you know, shout out to yeah, Sasha right. Page. Shout out to Sasha Page Elementary School. But so the reality is, as as much as as much as what what we want from Kamala Harris, and as much as I want to celebrate Kamala Harris, and as much as I look, I'm looking at her and in, in the accomplish accomplishments you gonna list, yeah. um, how, how important they are, how significant they are, it still can never match the impossible demand that black people place on their politicians because it's what we need. Right. Okay. It's, 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 it's what reflect that autonomy. And so I want you to pull up there's the plug is about to get a video ready to, to really kind of deal with the one of the oh, yes. critics <laughs> and the, the, the recent accomplishments she's made. But before we get to some of the recent activity, uh, uh vice president Harris has been on in peace. My Asia, shout out to you. Happy to have you up in here. Always. I want to talk about some of vice president Kamala Harris's, uh, accomplishments so far. Right. So, uh, y'all know I mentioned earlier one of her responsibilities, the responsibility of a vice president is to provide the tie-breaking votes when Senate uh, has or is running even. And uh, I want to be clear that Vice President Harris has broken 29 ties in Senate, three in 2023, the most in modern history. Only pre- vice presidents John C. Calhoun and John Adams broke more. And this is an important thing to note, presiding over the Senate, breaking ties as needed in the Senate and serving as president if the sitting president is removed or incapacitated are the only other constitutional roles of the VP, right? Uh, other notable accomplishments that she has made has been 
that Vice President Harris has advocated for increased HBCU funding as an alumna of Howard University, pushing the Biden administration to allocate billions of dollars in funding to HBCUs, continuing her support of HBCUs that she's shown previously as a U.S. senator. Uh, she was instrumental in the passage of the American Rescue Plan, which included a $2 trillion COVID relief stimulus bill. So some of the stimulus checks that we got during the Biden administration were ones that were pushed and were bargained for, and those efforts were led by her in particular. Um, she, in addition to being responsible for uh, a lot of the conversations at the border um, and about the border, right, she was, her responsibility was specifically to kind of deal with and attend to working at the border. She has also uh, been a champion of maternal health and has toured the country advocating for women's rights to choose amid the Supreme Court overturning of Roe versus Wade. So she's been a very visible you know, she might can't be a black the, the black president, but she can be the woman vice president, right? Very much and speak for 50% of the population. And not even 50%, because when we're talking about the rights to determine your um, you know, access to abortions, we're talking about anybody with the capacity to give birth. So not just women, but more than 50% of the population when you think about trans men and non-gender folks, non-gender binary folks. Um, I have a couple other examples. Uh, let's see. In speaking about the border, Vice President, Harris, Vice President Harris has helped to address the southern border crisis, which has seen a surge in the number of migrants uh, from Mexico and Central America seeking, seeking unauthorized authority to the United States. I'm sorry, not authority, but residency in the United States. Now, I will say this. We know kids are still in cages. We know ICE is still real. We know that Democrats are <laughs> fumbling the money and fucking up the bag when it comes to immigrants. And we're not going to try to paper over that and make it seem like that's not real. But work is being done, at least in the capacity of what a vice president can do. So that being said, if we look at the most recent action that Vice President Kamala Harris has been on, uh, we know she took a trip to West Africa. Um, and her trip to West Africa was multifaceted. We'll get into the video and I'll talk more specifically about that. But what we do know is that China and that Russia are in the United States are on their land grab shit right now. And not only that, but outside of specifically grabbing land, they are attempting to make sure they're able to commodify the labor and the capital in a bunch of different places. What does that mean? It means the United States used to have a stronghold on the financial backbone and decision making on the continent of Africa. And now China and Russia, mostly China, sliding in, trying to be the hegemonic or superpower that in which the African economy flows. Right, buying a bunch of stuff, engaging in a bunch of trade deals, engaging in a bunch of um, um, venture capitalism over there, just really gaining its own popularity. The United States is like, no, no, no. Um, we understand how essential the continent is, but also there is an understanding about how important that needs to be a bilateral relationship, right? Not unilateral, where the United States gets to dictate and determine from one direction everything there, but also ways by which there can be a symbiotic and a mutually beneficial relationship between the continent, uh, particularly West Africa and the United States, especially given the history of chattel slavery, right? Particularly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the history of the violences that have happened there. So she made a couple trips, went to Tanzania, went to, I think the other place will be mentioned in the video that we're about to play. She made a stop at Cape Castle. We know the Cape Castle is where the door of no return is. Plug, do you know what the door of no return is? Where uh, enslaved Africans would be boarded onto uh, slave ships to be sent exactly. to the Americas, they where they would not come back. And she she went there specifically and made you know a speech, and of course talked about the fact that these stories need to be told and reflected on her own connection and relationship to that particular port. So the time was interesting, but you know uh, we wouldn't be who we are as Black folk if we didn't have some situations where. The prince of what? What? What does he call himself? The prince of Pan Africanism. The prince of Pan Africanism. Yes. We wouldn't be. We wouldn't be. Uh, we wouldn't be us as niggas if the prince of Pan Africanism didn't step up to the mic to be critical of the trip that was made. Now I will preface the video that Plug is about to play for a minute with saying that a lot of people criticized Kamala Harris during her time in Africa for apparently advocating for and accosting. Uh, West African countries for their recent legislation and policies that have made uh, LGBTQ activity 
uh, punishable by death, uh, calls for imprisonment, all of these different mm-hmm. things. And so a lot of people have been like, you went over there and you got shut down because Africa ain't with that shit. You know, our people, our original people ain't really about to play games with you with this LGBTQ shit. And so whatever. But I think this video will introduce uh, the sentiments of your um, your Prince of Pan-Africanism. And, and also the sentiments of other people, but also reasons why people can have a seat with that perspective. So go ahead and drop the vid. Let's get into it. You went to Africa not to help a child, not to help a family, not to cancel no debt, not to build no institutions, not to address these coups that the CIA financed. You didn't go to Africa, Kamala Harris, to do anything progressive. You went to Africa to make Ghana safe for the Rainbow Mafia. So the Prince of Panhandling is out here again lying on Vice President Kamala Harris. It's obvious at this point that you don't even know why the fuck she was there in Africa. And for somebody who claims to be a doctor and has this degree, child, you would think you would do a little research before you open your mouth. After MA45 left office, he left our foreign relations with Africa in shambles after he cut off so much financial aid to the continent. U.S. and African trade fell to approximately $41 billion in 2018, down from $100 billion in 2008. Now, Vice President Kamala Harris pulled up to Africa with a silk press and a bag full of money, and she's leaving with a bag full of nickel. Let me explain. Work is currently underway to build the first-of-its-kind processing facility on the continent for minerals that go into electric vehicle batteries. Mm. This will deliver battery-grade nickel to the United States and global markets as soon as 2026. Investing in nickel-powered batteries is going to address our climate change and create clean and renewable energy jobs that's going to create equity not only for Africa but for America. See, this is what happens when your ass don't read. But VP Kamala's even taking it further. She's investing a billion dollars throughout the continent. Dr. Umar Johnson says she's not doing anything for families, but she's literally investing $400 million into closing the gender gap, $525 million into women economic empowerment throughout Africa. Like, are you mad at she's doing all these things for women? Because that's what the fuck it sounds like. It sounds like you're mad at this is going to benefit black women. Mr. Pan-Africanism. Vice President Kamala Harris wasn't there to party and to show off her silk press. She was there to work and rebuild and rekindle our foreign relations. As far as pushing an agenda, the Rainbow Coalition, they asked her a simple question and she answered. She doesn't switch up on a hoe just because she's trying to make friends with people. She's a true ally, ride or fucking die. And this is what the fuck she said when they asked her a question. What do you think about Parliament introducing anti-LGBT legislation? She said this. Let me be clear about where we stand. First of all, for the American press who are here, you know that a great deal of of work in my career has been to address human rights issues, equality issues across the board, including as it relates to the LGBT community. And I feel very strongly about the importance of supporting uh, the the, the freedom and, and supporting and fighting for equality among all people and that all people be treated equally. I will also say that uh, this is an issue that we consider and I consider to be a human rights issue, and that will not change. That was it, and that was all. We don't switch up on people just because we're trying to make new friends. We stay true to who the fuck we are. But since you want to talk about what somebody's doing for other people, let's look at what the fuck you're doing. Okay, Prince of Panhandling, since you want to talk about what VP Kamala Harris has been up to, let's look at this Frederick hey, Douglass Wakanda Academy. The rest you of- went to Africa not to help a child, not to help a family, not to cancel no debt, not to hey, build no institution. So the rest of this video, and this video I want to give credit to who created it, is Too Raw, Too Real Too um, on TikTok. But the rest of the video is just him going in on apparently Dr. Umar's, uh, he called it the Wakanda Academy, but the Frederick Douglass <laughs> Marcus Garvey Academy of Excellence or whatever the hell is being created and the lack of development therein. And he deserves that because when you look at the track record and you look at the background of what Kamala Harris has done or accomplished just in that trip, right? I think what we start getting at is, I mean, yeah, no, she can't be the black vice president, but she can absolutely attend to in ways that are open to the vice president issues that affect black people um, and the black community, right? And she, he went from being the Prince of Pan-Africanism to the Prince of Panhandling. As Vance said, because a lot of his efforts have seemed to line his pockets and only benefit him, but not materialize things. So 
you know, I, I guess my takeaway from this conversation, I wanted to peek in on President Vice President Harris because we know, like we started the conversation off saying 2024 is coming. Um, we've heard more about Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and other individuals than we have about who was up on the docket in terms of the Democratic Party. But we do know a couple of things. Joe Biden is like 82 years old. Kamala Harris is like 58, 59. That is yeah. relatively young um, in comparison to other people who are uh viable candidates for that presidency we know the young folks yeah, like joe, joe biden need to sit his ass down like we do, just, right? yeah just, and i don't think that's we don't secret. need no more 80 80 year olds but we know me? that they're not, gonna go far, they're not gonna go into the 30s like aoc um and so no, she's no. primed in terms of the right age and the right demographic she's the right type, age. yeah she she might get re-get a reformulated and rehabilitated uh run at the the white house and something that we should maybe be on the lookout for but we need to be gauging her progress, her success, her proficiency in the role that she's in. And now that we understand what vice president is supposed to, supposed to be doing on top of what she has actually been doing. I just I'm I'm interested and I want to keep make sure we stay interested in, in being on Kamala watch to see what comes of this 2024 run. And also just to see the other things she's able to accomplish in her role for the rest of this presidency. Right. Because we're not going to get in front of that. We got to see what the rest of her legacy is going to be. But that's me. Yeah, I, I think. You know, I think she, I think she has some viability. I mean, especially when you got people like Donald Trump is doing with, was dealing with being indicted, and Ron DeSantis still can't take a firm, affirmative grip on the conservative party. Donald Trump still controls a lot of it, um, and so she, so she, she's viable, right? Like, and, mm-hmm. and I think in 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 a lot of like liberal circles, like even like you know, like old boy was like, you know, these are the things that she's doing now. Again, as from a leftist perspective, I, you know, nickel mining in Africa, right? You, you know, we we could talk about neoliberalism, neo-colonialism, yeah. the way the capitalism functions to rob Africa of its resources and really pay it pennies in return. We could talk about that, right? Like, mineral, because mineral that's, mining that's real. Is rough on the environment. It's rough on the people in those communities. It, that it has its own baggage. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And so, and without them actually doing anything about the ways in which tech companies are taking advantage of the resources in Africa currently, yeah, we can make it about nickel and we can talk about. And that's why Dr. Umar Johnson and them don't need y'all don't need to criticize liberals because y'all give them too much ammo to for like for credibility and shit that they trying to grow on. You feel me? Like it, bro. It ain't over there. It ain't. It ain't a question of oh, it, what is she doing for families. Oh, there are child uh, uh, children workers in the mines of Congo making the resources for iPhones. Listen, me, mining the resources for iPhones. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Families, let me, bro. Let me, and I want to. I want to translate the, the this into debate language for our people who want to understand how we kind of describe some of these issues from where we come from. This is the yeah. case debate. I don't even have to come in here and talk my black shit, talk my woman shit talk my shit about how you aren't really appeasing the needs of black families and black community. I could just go in and criticize your politics just because they're bad. I don't even need to leverage my personal ideologies against what you're doing. That will come secondary. But I think you you have a bad plan. You want to go over there and focus on everything except for the fact that human lives are being used as capital and used as labor and being abused. Their communities being open to all the toxic environmental influences that mining for minerals and shit does to localized communities like i don't even have to that could be anywhere that it was an image it was, it was an image. Behavior, those behaviors we could we criticize we, we criticize those criticize. behaviors no matter where they happen on the planet i could just criticize you on just what you do to the environment without us even intersecting how that influences With, black uh, people queer people so it's just and that's I, what i've been saying like let me help umar johnson if we're going to criticize Kamala Harris, we don't like we don't criticize her for saying that uh the, the issues facing queer people is a human rights issue. Yeah. We criticize her for expanding the neo-colonial empire of of, of, of America. Yeah. Right? The, the the transnational reach of American corporations and, and American control over African resources. You're supposed to be Mr. Pan-Africanism, but your beef with Kamala Harris is her conversation on gay rights. When when literally she's saying we're opening a mind as a part of the U.S., we're not hiding it. This isn't mm-hmm. something that you got to see. We're sneaking in. We're announcing the fact that we're going to be utilizing resources that come out of Africa. 
Mr. Pan-Africanism. Yeah. Like that, like, that's what I'm saying. That's that's where it becomes like y'all childish. Like your focus, what matters to you is so it, it, it becomes so counterproductive that the legitimate criticism of Kamala Harris, which ain't even really a criticism of Kamala Harris, it's a criticism of, of the America. institution. Yeah. Right. It's it's a criticism of America, like of, of American imperialism, American exceptionalism, right? Just, like uh, like white supremacy. It's a it's a larger criticism of those things, but no, y'all want to make it about liberals pushing the gay agenda in Africa. Right. Stupid. Stupid. So, um, what? We'll keep our eyes open, keep our ears open. We'll continue to be talking about things. You know, we always stay with the political chops around here so that we know what we need to be thinking about before we get in a position to cast ballots or to make decisions or to, you know, one of my favorite options is to not participate every now and again. Uh, my absence mm. um, has to be felt. The plug doesn't agree with that, but this is why we have these types of conversations so you can determine what you do with yourself and your political power in your political economy. But uh, let's talk about uh, Clarence Thomas real quick. I'm going to turn it over to the plug so we can get into what has been happening in the news. All right. So getting into what's happening with Clarence Thomas real quick. Uh, this is the season of accountability, y'all. This is the season of accountability. Uh, yeah. Whoever that's been here with me now, y'all was here with me when we was talking about Trump a couple of days ago. And we literally say in that, when we're watching what these people in power are doing, it is an affront. It is disrespect for us to sit back, let them pimp and manipulate the system, and then turn around and, and a year later, literally tell us, yeah, let's vote vote for me. I'm going to be holding people mm-hmm. accountable. Vote for people. Like, nah, that's bullshit. What, a major issue that we need to be bringing into 2024 is, we at first we thought it was just a question of stacking the courts, but nah, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. It's actually a question of what the the access that uh, what politicians, period, people, period, have to the Supreme Court justices with all the protections that Supreme Court justice has. For those who are not aware, anybody that's been paying any attention to any any attention to uh, politics just just today, recently, uh, ProRepublica.org, which is it's a, it's a political watchdog website, um, released a report entitled Clarence Thomas. And the billionaire. Let me get that up on the screen so we can, we can all see uh, see the report in and of in and of itself. And what this report outlines is that uh, is that uh, I was about to say Donald Trump, Clarence Thomas, every black person's favorite Supreme Court justice. Jesus, Lord help us all. No, that every black person. Andrew Brown Jackson. Thank you very much. Speak <laughs> for yourself. Thank you. Yes, I was I was definitely speaking facetiously. Uh, but this clown, Clarence Thomas. Come to find out, literally is is all is all the way bought off, all the way bought off. Like it let's not we, we, years. These are not new. These are not recent revelations either. It's ugly. This is it's ugly. What like literally what we learning is that. Let's go ahead and get this up here for the for the uh, for the world to see. Mm-hmm. For chop for chop nation to take a look at. It's, it's a little bit of a delay. This is wild is times, though. I mean, and I want to re- remind us all that these conversations are happening under a backdrop of conversations about term limits for Congress and for the uh, Supreme Court. So a lot of conversations have been had about just how much power and overreach of power people have because they get to sit in these positions and almost get like a professor tenured into their job so that they can't be removed, they can't be fired, they can't be reprimanded in a lot of ways, or at least the ways that people get reprimanded is way behind the curtain. So they'll be exposed. We ain't forgot Clarence Thomas's wife was all up in the mix for January 6th and a whole bunch of all other bullshit. up in the mix. You yeah, know what and, I'm saying? And, but uh, ele- Clarence Thomas's wife is a straight up election denier. Period. Straight up. And so she, she but, was saying she was trying to figure out how they could keep Trump in office after he lost the election. And that stuff has been popping up on our news feeds. It's been popping up in our, in our in our conversations about what's happening around the world. But then all of a sudden they disappear. We are left on cliffhangers in terms of how that was dealt with or if it was dealt with after all, which to me proves that they just be waiting for shit to leave the news cycle. They don't really be doing nothing. No, nothing be happening to these people. They just wait till nobody else is asking questions or talking about it because we've said sensationalized the next thing. So plug got this article pulled up. What are we talking about here? So according to ProPublica, uh, this report on Clarence Thomas, we find out that in late June 2019, right after the U.S. Supreme Court released its final opinion of the term, Justice Clarence Thomas boarded a large private jet headed to Indonesia. 
He and his wife were going on vacation, nine days of island hopping in a volcanic archipelago on a super yacht, staffed by quite a of attendants and private chefs. If Thomas had chartered the plane and the 162-foot yacht himself, the total cost of the trip would have exceeded 500000 plus. Fortunately for him, this yeah. wasn't necessary. He was on vacation with real estate magnate and Republican mega donor Harlan Crow, who owned the jet and the yacht too. So for those who are just now joining us, we're talking about Clarence Thomas is being flew out, as the young people say. Yeah, as the young folks say. <laughs> being flew out by a Republican mega donor. This is somebody who spends billions of dollars, billions of dollars, putting money in the pockets of Republican politicians so they can keep getting reelected. Now, can I make an intersection here? Go ahead. I want to. So, you know, people always criticize Twitter and social media in general for always recycling the same fucking stupid ass. Uh, dating based questions and being like is this fair is this foul and one of the favorite questions of people who you know talk about being flued out right so the scenario is always like if a man flies you out to uh on a vacation is it fair to for him to expect that he finna get some basically you know what i'm saying like if you accept a trip or a, a vacation or to slide out is it fair for that person to be upset if you don't put out right if you don't give something or is it a reasonable expectation even that you're gonna go out there and do something Right. And a lot of people are like, you know, they problematize that conversation as they should. Right. Because like, no, there's not automatically an expectation for you to go and bust it down because you get a flu out. But the other side of that, right, is especially when we look for the at these political relationships. It, it's just not that realistic, though, that you go all the way out there, you get all the way on the boat. Now, I can't say this about people. I think it is realistic that people should not have to expect that they have to go and do anything in exchange for their time or their attention on a vacation. I'm making that stance right now. You do not have to get on the plane and assume or expect that you got to give it up to somebody because they want it because you got on that plane. I want to be clear about my sins. That's not what I'm saying. But on this political shit, where we have what we know to be quid pro quo, whereas you got to give something to get something, I think the dynamics of that are completely different. And for some reason, without a shadow of a doubt, I feel like it is ridiculous for us to sit back and assume that if Clarence Thomas got on that yacht and went ahead and sold or flew away and took his wife and experienced it, they was talking about something. There was some bartering being done. There was some interest being protected. There was some investments in relationships. There were some attempts to seal the deal to make sure that politics were politics as usual and that the trains were running on time. And so this is where... I get real skeptical about anybody who can look at this and be like, well, people can have their own friends and people can do what they want. Now, in these instances, these are uh, uh, exchanges. Yeah. Nah, yeah, you you definitely. I mean, because like this is the thing. While while they can say, you know, people could do what they want. People could, you know, have friends. People people can go on vacation. Congress, for example, can like politicians and federal politicians cannot accept gifts larger than $50. They also cannot go on trips without actually going by the ethics office first. They got to put in applications. If somebody want to send them on a trip, the eth- they have to put in the application to the ethics office and get permission by the ethics office to get flew out. For whatever reason, Supreme Court justices don't have to follow those circumstances. What they say, the, the, the code of conduct with Supreme Court justices is simply that uh, it's simply that it's it's ill-advised to take these trips yeah. because it could denote some form of impropriety. It yeah. could look like quid pro quo. So while there's no uh, while there's no actual law against it, it's advised that they do not. Yeah. The type of trips that that Clarence Thomas went on with this individual, the 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 places that they went to, the amount of time that Clarence Thomas spends. At this, at this individual's uh, properties, on this individual's plane, on this individual's yacht, right? Like to the level of which he's getting benefits, right? When we know this is an individual who specifically works to put money in the pockets of conservatives to push conser- conservative agendas. Now understand why billionaires support political parties in the first place. 
just like the rest of us, they think the world should look a particular way. The difference, they have the money to convince people that the world should look the way that they think it should look. The Supreme Court, ironically, sided in in a, in a what was known as the Citizens United case that mm-hmm. money equals free speech. Yes, it did. You want to know yes, who also did. sided with Citizens United? Who? Uh, Clarence Thomas also sided with Citizens United. Of course, that money was free was was free speech. So, what happens is the conservative billionaires. As much as we hear about George Soros, as much as we hear about Bill Gates, mm-hmm. conservative billionaires have the money and the influence to be able to shape the world in the way that they want to see it. So yeah. when we look back, when we look back and we look at it, we look at situations like what happened with uh, like what happened with uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned. That is specifically a question of a culture war and abortion being at the forefront of a lot of that. And as soon as they had the opportunity. Right. These conservatives, whether it's the mega donors, whether it's the, the small person donating a dollar every day to Trump's to uh, to uh, Trump's uh, campaign. At the end of the day, they go was to say, we want the world to look a particular way. And when you have somebody in yeah. the Supreme Court that has access to those things that can actually make that, that, that can actually make decisions on behalf of those thinkers because they kicking it in Indonesia. You can't tell me that's not a payoff. Yeah. You can't tell me that they that, that Clarence Thomas isn't being pushed, isn't being manipulated. He may even believe already the shit that they the, the shit that they saying. Listen, you know what I mean, but he's he, he getting that payola. You can't look at it no other way. I like, and I I think it's chestnut checkers when we look at the payola and how it runs. And shout out to outside for being in the comments. What's up to you tonight? Uh, but. You know, I think people have figured out and these super billionaires and these super donors have figured out that I can't just play Congress. I got to go to the top top. Right. I can't. The president can't be seen, you know, within a 10 foot pole of me. We we see that how improprieties get exposed with Donald Trump. So we can't really deal with directly with the president. So we'll just deal with all of the other secondary, tertiary, ancillary components and fixtures of the political systems that influence what that president does. So. I think it's, it's, I'm not going to waste my time on Congress people and senators. I'm going straight to the courts. To the courts. One of the other defining components and fixtures of how this society works. And this is supposed to be an untouchable group of people, not swayed, not implicated, not com- impacted by public opinion or individual private opinion, right? But rather ones who are solely fidelitous to what the Constitution says in the letter of law. And so, even I mean, interpreting the Constitution. Period, that's why we took right? that's why we took the L that we took is because like the Supreme Court, their role as as the ju- is the judicial branch of the federal government is to interpret what the constitution means. Yeah. Like w- us as leftists, we taking L's right now because like that final authority is made up of people who are our political enemies. That part. Right. And so Miss Ma'am going up in the, in the in the chat said every annual corporate ethics training includes the appearance of a conflict of interest, uh in quotes as a cause for concern and uh, grounds for something that should be reported. Now they ask or give you the opportunity to self-report, but we also know that in moments where you are exposed to those improprieties that you get caught in the HR and dealt with accordingly. Right. And so I think it's important to understand that every other space, corporate, private, public, uh, civil government, you are held to these standards. But all of a sudden, as we see, Big dogs up in the Supreme Court didn't think they were held to that same standard, and uh, per Republica said, not true. They actually uh, they point out that a few ethics professors are actually saying that they broke the law. Uh, there are um, there hmm. are uh, there were laws that were passed after Watergate that requires justices, judges, members of Congress, and federal officials to disclose most gifts, uh, trips, etc. Mm-hmm. That that's, that that two law experts argue, uh, as well as you know him chilling on the yacht. They saying that him not disclosing that he that he kicking it like this is actually violation of those ethics laws. Yeah, this it, this got to be the season of accountability, right? I don't want to. It can't just be about Trump, right? We hey, listen as much as we've had beef with Clarence Thomas in terms of him literally representing the 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 black conservative the. Mm-hmm. Uh, the race trader. I say it. I say it. 
Clarence Thomas has represented the race traitor. Yeah. <laughs> now he has broken the law. Yeah. And if we're saying that, hey, that what's happening with Donald Trump is an example of draining the swamp, is an example of holding people in power accountable, right? Because listen, I, I, you as black leftists, the fight that we have to focus on is the one of the rights of the people. Mm-hmm. The reason why conservatives are our political enemies is because they don't give a fuck about the rights of people that don't believe or don't think or don't look like them. Mm-hmm. That's what when I so when I use that phrase political enemy, that's what I'm talking about. I I'm, I'm even in, in even on the past show I've said black conservatives come home. We can have our ideological beefs, but yeah. our or like what we want, like what like what impacts us is still it, 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 there's there's a commonality, right? We was raised by black conservatives at the end of the day. Like if we be honest. If we be raised by conservatives, so I we like that's not that's not that much of an issue. I'm if, if I can talk and have conversations with my grandmother, you know what I'm saying, with her Christian, it's like super Christian Creflo Dollar watching, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, come on. If I can have conversations with her, like listen, I can with me and you can do that, but the, but like we gotta have that common, we gotta have that understanding that the anti-black aspect that come out of white conservatism can't be replicated in black conservatism and think that you steal any type of benefit to black people. Yeah. That's the reality. And Clarence Thomas is somebody who's carried that, 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 that banner, who's held that torch for years. And now he broke the law. Now he broke the law. Because remember, in, you remember, in law- remember how it happened when, uh, when, uh, the professor was getting roasted in class and met the man and red man was like, get him. Oh, yeah. Get him. Sammy Davis haircut happening around the side looking. You know what I'm <laughs> Listen, yeah. that's how I feel. I don't know. And I, I hate I hate to to I don't really hate it because you know when you have the position you have on shit like affirmative action, you get what you get. But I it's hard to feel sorry for him. Like I cook, get cooked. You know what I'm saying? That's what you mean? the same system I'm... that you feel in love with is gonna tear you, tear that ass up, and I'm here for it. Man, because you know what, what happens to you, and like, because that's just, just even bringing up one of the most recent, but one of the most impactful uh, Supreme Court cases in in the last decade, and that was them overturning Roe v. Wade. Or really, within the last thirty years, Roe v. Wade was so important. Them overturning it, right, was huge because it impacted the reproductive rights of women in particular states. Now, I, that's why I say to this day, I'm extremely proud of the state of Kansas. Because with everything that they get wrong when it comes to politics, the fact that Kansas voted as a state to say uh, yes, keep abortion legal, yes, right. Okay. But how many? But but then, but just right across the right across state line road in Missouri, right right down the street, Missouri had trigger laws that was straight up like fourteen was like fourteen to thirty days or whatever after it was overturned. Ooh, they they had it locked in, yeah. right. Now, now, if you lived in Kansas City, that ain't a big of an issue because you're just gonna hop on the highway and, yeah. and have your right to. You know what I'm saying? But if you live on, but you live in St. Louis, East St. Louis, you know what I mean? A woman in those type of circumstances, right? They, like you are being put in a position that can't be quantified, that can't be fully understood because the right. impact of having a child when you're in a position that 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 may not be the best decision, right? The impact it's gonna have on a child's life and it's gonna be have on yours. Like we can't even begin to fathom because the amount of stories and so angle. But as much as so as much as we could talk about the issue of abortion, these niggas is getting put on yachts and shit just to turn around and deny certain people their rights. Yeah. Regardless of how you feel about that question, like there, Clarence Thomas is bought the fuck off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's paid off. The fact that these are things, because he know he ain't supposed to doing it because he ain't reporting it on his ethics shit. That part, the way that he's supposed to legally, it's it, he's supposed to be reporting this shit. Mm-hmm. If he knew, it, if he thought it was the right thing to do, he wouldn't have no problem reporting it. There's no way we can look at the Supreme Court with any type of credibility at this point. Yeah. We know, we know people like uh, uh, Amy Amy Coney Barrett, people like uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Really, or and then you could take it as far as even uh, uh Neil Gorsuch. Only reason these people are in there, yeah, is because one Barack Obama got denied his ability to select the Supreme Court justice, mm-hmm. right? Donald Trump they, and conservatives, and because you like, like, listen, the, the conservative that retired, 
that opened up space for uh for uh for Kavanaugh. I know that he got paid off too. Yeah, we also came. He got paid off too. RBG needed to retire, and instead of retiring, she went ahead and stayed in her role, which also didn't do. She stayed in her role. Yeah, like that. Didn't do Democrats no favors, but but because they wanted her to retire under Obama so that Obama could elect somebody to nominate her. Right, right. But um, but she went on the but she went on the glory under (laughs) Donald Trump. That's such a nigga way. And you, you know how we normalize ways of saying stuff in our culture and realize that nobody said like, don't know, don't know why people be like such and such. Yeah, why people gonna say this? Yeah, but, you know, I guess, yeah, that, but that, but that's what happened. And so, and so we're we're, we're looking at as much as we complain about uh, Congress, as much as we complain about the executive branch. Like at this point, the whole shit is the is has been spoiled. Yeah. Like and and we've we've had conversations about how politicians are paid off and how you know they it's it's all about money. But when you get it confirmed and it's no longer speculation, you got it right there in front of you. The the credibility of the Supreme Court is shot. Like we need we need like. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just saying when we look at the credibility of the Supreme Court being shot and specifically him, Miss Maisha, and we referenced this before. Lest we forget who Clarence Thomas is married to. It's just one big conflict conflict of interest hypocrisy and uh, and corruption. And I think what's unique is that, you know, as the season of accountability is upon us, as the plug has talked about, you know, we couldn't really nail uh, Clarence Thomas down because at the end of the day, even though I'm certain she was like, on January 6th, was like, whoo, it's been a long ass day of trying to make sure the riots go through successfully. Now we got to make sure we get, like, she's coming home right. reporting back to him, but he can't be held rep- responsible for another person and their actions. So it was too hard to stick him down and peg him down. But his season has come. His chickens are at home roosting at this point because now it's about the things he did. Now, specifically, it's not about the people around him or speculation or his politics. It's about straight up and down, law breaking and rule breaking, which is about to you know, stick way more than any of these other allegations have. Way more than any, I mean, but even but even the fact that like because like let's be for real, our, the, we know that the system is broken when the people inside of the system can manipulate the rules that's supposed to keep them in check in a way that all of those rules don't matter like mm-hmm. donald trump should have actually been impeached partisanship is the reason why donald trump wasn't impeached right. well, he, excuse me, he, he was impeached partisanship is the reason why he wasn't removed from office right right partisanship is the reason why they got away with all the lie. well they ain't even get away with it because they being sued right now but why they, they they was able to get away with lying about you know who won the election partisanship is the reason why genie talk i mean because even think about Think, like think about the conversation. She's reaching out to Mark Meadows, chief of staff in the White House, to be like, "Hey, do whatever y'all got to do to keep them in there." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, with that type of understanding, it's like, regardless of the the, the disconnect that they trying to that, that they attempt to create, he he was already held accountable for the other shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Regard like regardless, and now this though, as much energy as Democrats is putting behind. Donald Trump and locking Donald Trump up. We need to get like Clarence Thomas need to get up out of there. Yes, he's paid off. He's paid off. It's payola. You are one hundred forty four. Tip of the iceberg, and that they they start unearthing a lot of shit about all the rest of them because you can't be the only one. Um, and shit, I don't care if you're a Democrat. If you in here kind of getting the bread and getting broke off from the side, you gotta go because there are just so many faulty levels of what is supposed to be an impenetrable three tiered system of government. And that is supposed to be working like a well-oiled machine of checks and balances. And ain't no checks and ain't no balance because everybody got some money, somebody in their hands, some private interests, some clear biases, some relationships and fidelities to uh, external ideologies or external politics or private shareholders like billionaires and shit. All of that is trash. So exposure, exposure, exposure. Do your job or go home and be a private citizen yeah. like the rest of us, helpless Thanks. under the strong arm of the state yeah. and of the law. Come home and complain with yeah. us on our timelines because you don't get fucking special treatment just because you got nominated to some position. Like, that's hey, my look, Election season is starting now with the chopping. Yeah. yeah. And and if this isn't uh, a, a important question going into 2024 for you, coming into this conversation, you need to leave this conversation knowing that the, that the conversation of accountability is... This thing, this year's theme for this election season. Can the Supreme this is a Court question you can be? answer? Yeah, they can be. 
Uh, they can be. They can What's be. What's the impeached. question? So we have the people who listen who can't see. Uh, can, can a Supreme Court justice be removed for ethics violations? Yes, they can. They can be impeached, but it is a high bar. Yeah, it's it unprecedented. Is a high bar to climb. It's definitely unprecedented. I mean, just as just as 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 hard it is to impeach a president, it's even harder to impeach a Supreme Court justice. Because I mean, again, these are lifetime appointees. Right. And so mm-hmm. and they and in, in a lot of ways, again, they interpret what's constitutional and what's not. That means that even their role, their job, what they're held accountable to, they get the question. They, you know what I'm saying? They get they the, get whole the question. Yeah. AOC is calling for the expulsion. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. AOC is calling for the impeachment and the expulsion of uh, a Clarence Thomas, and we're gonna see what comes from that um after this report came out. But again. It's the season of accountability, y'all. That's that's the that's the motto for this yeah. for this election season. So, with that being said, you can go ahead and close out to you. Listen, y'all are wonderful. Y'all are amazing. Y'all been in the chat and in the comments talking to us, and I'm grateful for that. Um, next Thursday, same time, same place. A little closer to eight thirty though, seven thirty rather uh, Pacific Standard Time, so we get the ball rolling on time. But it's spring. I hope y'all enjoying these longer days. I hope it's getting a little bit warmer where you are. I hope that. Um, as we change seasons, not only in the environment and in the elements that the seasons begin to change in your favor as well. You know what I'm saying? We got a new opportunity. We up in the spring, so shake off some new things. I also want to rip this brand. I'm rocking one of my favorite little brands uh, that I found on IG. Uh, this is Absolute Victory Every Day, also known as ABE, also known as The Av. So if y'all are interested in some new merch, I don't know these people. I do know they black on though. And I really enjoy their gear. So go check out Absolute Victory every day. Um, and if you want to send me a hoodie, let me know. DM me, then I'll give you my address if I'm your favorite podcaster out there. And <clears throat> excuse me. Ooh, I got choked up just thinking about the possibility of y'all sending me a hoodie. Um, I got so excited. But no, in real life, go rep the brand. They got shirts, they got hoodies, they got out a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, big love to y'all. Uh, it's been Toya G. It has been the political plug. We love y'all. See y'all next week. Yeah. Peace. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.